This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So, after years of delays and holdups, it appears that Jacob uh, is Jacob Zuma's so-called Stalingrad strategy to deal with this uh, many legal matters, uh, which has led to many facets to a legal um, case that uh, really revolves around the arms deal. But we are yet to get going in that one. Anyway. Anyhow, this so-called stra- Stalingrad strategy may finally be reaching, running out of road. So in an opinion piece published yesterday, specialist legal journalist Karen Morn of News24 reflected on what she calls the three major setbacks for the former uh, president suffered this week um, in uh, three different uh, court battles. Namely, his attempt to challenge the invalidation of his private prosecution of Karen Morn and um, the prosecutor Billy Downer, state prosecutor Billy Downer. So it is a dismissal of his application for leave to to appeal a ruling uh, in the other private prosecution case that he was pursuing against the president, Cyril Ramaphosa, and the victory uh, yeah, the, the, against Cyril, President Cyril Ramaphosa, as well as, of course, the removal of advocate uh, Busisiwe Mkwebani as public protector. Let's speak to a specialist legal reporter for News24, um, Karen Mon, joining us on the line. Good morning to you, and thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Titi. Okay, so listen, firstly, um, I see, uh, I think um, it's plain to see in terms of why the other two matters were set back in terms of these two private prosecutions. Um, But I'm I'm interested in why you also uh, consider uh, a setback in some way for the former president with the, uh, or certainly for his lawyer it was, uh, but the matter of Busisiwe Mkweban, how it is linked to what you're saying is all the Stalingrad approach. Well, I think that what I was essentially saying was that we've had this Stalingrad pathology mm. sort of capture our our public and political life for a very long time, where it's become so um, such a feature of our any kind of accountability process, whether it was a state capture inquiry, whether it was the former president's ongoing corruption trial, or the um, former public protector's impeachment process, was that there isn't an honest attempt to account. Mm. Um, but you see where Mkobani said he did not account, she did not testify, she did not provide answers. Um, essentially, it was just attacking the people who testified against her and then attacking the process in a number of court applications that failed, attempting to defend indefensible reports to the point of actually laying Judicial Service Commission complaints against like someone like Justice Chris Jafter when mm. he ruled against her, um, and essentially accusing judges of gross misconduct. And we've seen former President Jacob Zuma um, attempt in some way to to do the exact same. And in the recent matter involving myself Mm. and Billy Downer, his lawyer suggesting that those judges would somehow face a gross misconduct complaint. Mm. But essentially what has happened is that for years, I mean, former President Jacob Zuma had untrammeled access to state resources to fund that litigation. We know the SCA Mm. in 2019 saying he's not entitled to that money. And we now see the Solicitor General come out and say, and say, at the end of this month, TT, the state will be issuing summons against him for double what was originally thought that he owed, which was in the routine region of about 18.2 million rand. Hmm. So we're looking at about 36 million rand. We know with the public protector, while her lawyers had initially said we need 4.5 to defend her, 
achieve that amount ballooned to about 36 million rand. And of course, there were all these number of court cases which Parliament, the President mm. and other people then had to defend. Mm. And essentially, you know, the, the argument that I make is that fundamentally, you know, because of that Zuma judgment and because of what we have learned from the Inquibani inquiry, particularly what the, the, the MPs were saying during the debate, I don't think that that kind of pathology of avoidance of accountability using taxpayer money to essentially like attack the process but never account is going to be something that we see continuing. I mean, the what? former public protector, she said she's going to go to court. Mm. But the real question is, where is she going to get that money from? You know, if she does, that's great, but it won't be on the taxpayer's dime, and I think that's incredibly important. Mm. You know, as much as we may call it Stalingrad uh, approach and what a view, um, the fact of the matter is that it happens because it's a, you know, the, 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 the former president is perfectly within his rights to pursue the tactics that, uh, or the strategy that he has pursued. What I'm curious about is how the courts view this, because every time there is an application or a, a, a matter that comes before the court, the court, you know, has to view that particular case on its own merits. It can't be that the court does a whole rolls eyes moment and says, oh, him again. Well, what's so fascinating is because I've been covering these cases for a number of years. In the beginning, Jacob Zuma, Kemp J. Kemp in 2000 said, we're going to embark on Stalingrad, fight them in every room and every room and every house. And that's, of course, a reference to the Russian defense um, and fight against the Nazis in World War II, where literally ordinary Russian people did that. They fought in every room and every street and every house. And essentially when it began, I mean, it was challenges to the mutual legal assistance request to get information and evidence from Mauritius. It was challenges to the search and seizure warrants that split the SCA. There were two judges for him, three judges against, ultimately the constitutional court finding against him. Um, you know, there were, there were things around the postponement. He said he was, you know, he didn't, he didn't feel it was fair, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, long lit, uh, litigation that, um, you know, obviously he said, well, this didn't really involve me, but he mm. fought against the records of that decision being allowed to be given to the DA. And ultimately, the decision not to prosecute him was invalidated. Mm. But recently, and over the last few years, and we have seen this with Amkrobani, is those cases have veered into a situation that they've actually become ridiculous. And, you know, people do have the right to pursue. He's, he's bought a permanent stay of prosecution. That was rejected by the court. He then sought the dismissal of uh, Billy Dana, or, or the removal of Billy Dana. That was rejected by the court. He then obviously laid criminal charges against myself and Billy Dana and used that as a basis to seek the removal of Billy Dana. And mm. I might add, he's argued not just that, you know, initially in the, in the, in the, um, the attempt for yeah. uh, you know, special plea, he said that Billy Dana, not uh, Billy Dana, no one else in the NPA can prosecute him. So he essentially said no one in the NPA can can now mm. prosecute him. I know subsequently he said, well, it could be anyone, but that is not a representation mm. of what he said initially. No. Then you know, and then now mm. on the 26th of October, he's going to bring a, a third application to seek Billy Dana's removal. And what's fascinating is in the pro private prosecution matter, and I don't know if you've read that judgment, mm. but the court says for the first time categorically that this is a Stalingrad strategy, that the private mm. prosecution was very much part of the Stalingrad strategy yes. and it was designed to stop the, theme, uh, the mm. former president from facing his day in court. Finally, Karen, I want to put this to you. I mean, like, you have uh, 
uh, the worst, the last thing that any journalist wants is to be the story. You have ended yeah. up being uh, becoming a part of this story. What impact has this had, or does it have, on your ability to carry on reporting on this matter, particularly, uh, you know, to where your objectivity may be questioned. In fact, I say this and I see a tweet that's just come through from one listener called Colin Lufuno, devoted, devoted citizen, says, uh, Karen Moon can't be objective on the issue she is talking about. You're not respecting us as listeners. Do better, guys. Journalism 101. We could have a discussion about what Journalism 101 is uh, in the first place. But let me hear what you, how you would respond to that. And yeah. Well, I mean, the, the interesting thing is that the High Court in, in Peter Maritzburg categorically found that the private prosecution was designed to silence me. Um, and they said that this was a clear effort to make sure that I couldn't report because I've been doing this case for nearly two decades. And so I find it very interesting that in that, if, if it is indeed the case that in order to silence a journalist, you need to private prosecute them, insult them, go after them, and then say that they're not objective and not capable of reporting, then, you know, mm. we're all messed up. You mm. and I both know that we routinely get accused of being conflicted, of being mm. biased. The mm. accusation in and of itself is not enough. Mm. If someone can point to a single instance where I've not accurately reflected what was said in a matter, where I've not accurately referred to court judgments, what is the court has actually stated, then that is one thing. But the fact of the matter is that people cannot attack my work, so they attack who I am. Mm. And that is, can never be a mechanism that is successful in silencing journalism, especially now at this time in our country where we need to fight for truth more than any, in, at any other time in our democracy. Karen Moon, a specialist legal reporter for News24. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, PT. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.